Hi, I'm Jeremy Siegel, and I am from the Why Influence podcast. I also host a influencer community. So if you're trying to grow your influence, uh, I definitely welcome you to uh, join the community. Uh, but I, I connected with Pablo at a podcast event. Uh, we met right at the beginning of the podcast conference where he hosted a little meetup, uh, and we met one-on-one. I, I'm very attracted to authentic and vulnerable people, and Pablo uh, gave off a great energy, drew me towards him. And then from there, we've had a great relationship for the past year and a half for two years now and you should connect with Pablo because he's a, he's a big time giver like he's not gonna ask for anything but he'll give you everything he can so you should definitely connect with Pablo because he's an authentic person and he's a giver so those are great attributes to have in your network. Ralph Waldo Emerson said in my walks every man I meet is my superior in some way and in that I learn from him. This means every single person you ever interacted with has done something slightly different than every single other person and therefore has something to teach you. And you, my friend, have something to teach them. This means every conversation you have is both a chance to learn something and a chance to make an impact. Every networking event or conference you walk into is both a library and your stage. Your network is your personal Google and you are a part of everyone's Wikipedia. My name is Pablo Gonzalez, and I am your Chief Executive Connector. Follow me as we meet people in my walks. Find out what we can learn from them, what they've learned from others, and what made them want to connect so you can learn to gain and give value to others in all of your interactions. I am terrible at asking for stuff, but if you want to do me a favor, subscribe to the podcast. Let me know what you've learned from each episode, or at the very least, Hit me up if I can ever be of service or any kind of value to you. Now, without further ado, let's get connected. Welcome to the Chief Executive Connector podcast. I am your host and Chief Executive Connector, Pablo Gonzalez. And today we have uh, somebody that I'm super, super pumped to have on here, man. This guy comes across softly, but maybe the bravest guy I know. From the moment I met him, all I've seen him do is face his fears over and over and inspire others to do the same. This is after, of course, being a successful career guy, a successful entrepreneur, a great husband, and growing a massive online following for one of his businesses. He's now the host of the Why Influence podcast, where he breaks down the why behind people that have made the choice to build an online audience in order to help others find value in their own message. One of the warmest, nicest, smartest guys I know, and my good buddy, Jeremy Siegel. What's up, buddy? What's up? Uh, awesome intro. I really appreciate it, and uh, it's, it's an honor to be here, Pablo, so thanks for having me. Dude, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to have you on here, man. I, uh, we'll get into how we met and everything like that, man. But since the, since the moment we connected, man, I've, I have felt uh, weirdly close to you. So I'm, I'm glad we're uh, making it a uh, podcast official. <laughs> yeah, I agree. It's awesome. <laughs> awesome, dude. So listen, man, as I told you before we started, I, I always start the show saying that my, my big thesis on human connection is that quickest way that people connect to each other is either... Uh, add value if you add value to someone's life it connects you to them and and if you if they share a similar vulnerability to you they feel connected to you so i like to ask my guests what they are struggling with right now something that they've struggled with in the past yeah uh, i mean for me it's sort of tied around my brands but uh, i struggled just to share in general um like i was an entrepreneur like you said and i've been through that cycle a couple times 
and uh but i never shared like when i when i started my podcast my my last time sharing online was seven months prior and it had one comment from a friend that said dang you're still on facebook so i literally cold turkey went from never sharing being this guy that nobody hears from at all and never shared online to like wait this guy's a podcast now like the least expected person you could think of so i've and even then like overcoming barrier after barrier after barrier to keep going uh so that's definitely been a struggle and i still struggle with it today uh depending on what the type of share is and stuff so you know based on where you want to go we can talk about that or whatever yeah let's talk about that what do you what do you mean what, what do you mean by based on the type of share um i think you know you got to get started and and start sharing to get more comfortable with it so depending on the route that you take you'll probably get more comfortable with whatever it is that you start sharing with and keep keep sharing with faster than the things that you aren't so for me uh you know speaking on stages which is not necessarily a thing happening much right now uh, but i have done it a couple times and i've overcome some barriers there but i still would say that i'm not the most comfortable with that situation especially being like like front and center on a big stage uh, another could be that i'm i've been hosting a, a weekly influencer meetup where uh, you know influencers and aspiring influencers are getting together bringing guest speakers and doing networking um, so facilitating a group setting like that, like even before every meeting, I'm still getting anxious. You know, it's like, dang, there's 30 live people on this Zoom call right now, all looking at me to facilitate this thing. And like, I got to stop asking like questions being like, hey, is this what you want to do? To being like, this is what we're doing because there's too many people to like, you know, get that fee live feedback on the spot. Um, so yeah, I'm just constantly putting myself in positions that make me on the edge of my comfort zone from a sharing standpoint since I met you and a little bit before that. So yeah, uh, yeah, it's still happening today. That's awesome, man. Uh, listen, man, I want to let's let's dive right into that influencer meetup, right? Because I you said something I, you know, I host I host live shows for my clients, right? And I have people that show up also 30 to 60 to, to 100 people show up on a call. We have these guests that come in that sometimes I feel very undeserving of being on that stage with them. Right. And, and I go into a lot of these calls and, and you know me, right? Like I have this gregarious personality, right? Like I know, I know that I can command a crowd or whatever, but I do find myself more often than not on that Tuesday call with my biggest client, just wondering, man, am I going to ask the right question? Am I not right? Like, how are you, do you go in there how do you prepare for that stuff? How, like, how are you preparing for your, for your meetings? And then, and then when does it start creeping in? Is it like, for me, it's like 10 minutes before. Yeah. Um, I think it depends on, on the meeting, like earlier, like, because it's all newer for me, like and it is a creeping process. Like I remember ha having meetups where one person showed up and then I ended up just being like me diving into that person and giving him as much value as I could and did like a whole immersive session with him. Uh, up to like now I'm up to around 20, 30 people consistently every week. So I don't have to worry about no one showing up. Um, so like, you know, the types of meetings change as they get different sizes. So when it's one or two or three people, it's, it's much more intimate. When it gets to like seven, 10, it's still pretty intimate and you can still have open dialogue kind of stuff. But when you get to the 20, 30 and over that, even just saying like, does anybody have any questions? You can't just have like chime in when you can. Uh, if everyone has questions, you gotta have some kind of way to, you know, manage that. So the whole management changes constantly as, as it changes in size and purpose. Uh, but right now, like I'm, 
not spending too much time with it. It's been a little stable for a couple of weeks around 2030. So I feel comfortable. Like we, we start out with doing some breakout sessions with networking so people can meet other uh, influencers and see what they're doing, what they're sharing about, how they've gotten to where they are, just sort of a chunk of time where people can meet each other and connect with them, maybe get some collaborations out of it. And then uh, if we have a guest speaker, which we oftentimes do, I sort of, you know, introduce them and I open the floor for the guest speaker just to run with it however they want. Um, and, and then, so that relieves a lot of pressure on me as well. Cause I can be like, okay, you know, the guest speaker has the floor now and, you know, p- put your attention towards him and ignore me, you know? Uh, yeah. and then at the end, uh, d- depending on how the session went, like we might have like extra time for questions or we might do another piece of networking, uh, like another breakout session, or if it's a smaller group that stayed to the end, uh, just keep it open and have open dialogue. Uh, but that's sort of the rough outline of it and it's been consistent for enough that I don't have to do too much prep before it aside from like creating the event you know writing the description about who the speaker is and things like that yeah man I got to give it to you 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 took action on that immediately like it was like a week after our North Carolina thing right like it was like right after right after COVID broke you were one of the first guys that started doing a regular online meetup and you've really I see the stuff that you're learning from it, right? Like, I, like, I'm not, like I know I've shown up for like a couple and I haven't been able to be consistent. I haven't been in a while, but I've been seeing like all the lessons that you've been taking, you know, not taking, right? But like the lessons you've been absorbing from having people like you were on like a LinkedIn advice giving piece for a while, like learning about Twitch, learning about all these other things, man. To me, it's like a perfect yeah. microcosm of the thesis of this whole podcast, which is just like how you can learn from people and, and, and learn from others and, and share stuff at scale, man. So I just want to, you know, applaud you for putting that thing together. I think, I think it's been really cool to, to watch you take that thing and run with it, man. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah. I, I had been trying to do meetups for a while and I finally had a meetup where I had a new person one scheduled after right before COVID hit where I had like 15 people scheduled to show up and I was like, finally. And I like went and bought like a Twitch pillow and like a, you know, giveaways and I was like ready to give it. And then, I had to cancel it because of COVID. So I was like, okay. And then started doing virtual ones. And I've had this box sitting in my office forever. And eventually I'm like, I'm never going to be doing a physical one. And I just opened the box and now I've got a Twitch pillow in my, in my office. But, <laughs> you know, I was like, I was ready to like take action and execute on, on the community. And then it just fell through. And I think that's why I quickly went to being virtual and was one of the early ones is because it's like, you know, I was ready. I was already tired of not having this community that I wanted. And I, w- I would have joined and happily joined one if I could have found one. Uh, and so I just decided to bite the bullet and just start it. Awesome, man. Well, listen, we kind of started here at the, we started like at the end of the movie here, right? Like, can yeah. we go, can we go a little bit back to the beginning of just your, your career path and how you got to, how you got into this, like podcasting about influence and, and really diving deep into this, if you want to give us an origin story. Sure. Yeah. And uh, feel free to tell me to speed up or slow down as I go. I think, I think you're a pro, Jeremy. I, I trust you. And, and you can trust me to interrupt too much. So don't worry about it. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, basically, I, I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur from a young age. And I always saw being a CFO of a company as being the, having the skill set necessary to be a good entrepreneur. So I was very, very laser focused from a young age. Like, I want to be a CFO and I want to be an entrepreneur. Uh, and I, I, you know, even from a young age, I had an entrepreneurial mindset. I just never gave myself permission to actually go big and go all in with being an entrepreneur until I became a CFO. Uh, but like when I was in middle school, I was 
buying and selling Pokemon cards. Like I was, you know, I was even selling stuff off the shelves of Walmart on eBay and doing early stage drop shipping. And I'd have my parents drive me to Walmart to go buy like a box of golf balls to ship to someone who bought it on eBay and had a little margin there. So like, you know, I've had this mindset throughout my life. And uh, so I, you know, I started a big accounting firm. I then I found out it wasn't really getting the real world experience that I felt a CFO should have. So then I moved into implementing cloud accounting software for companies that outgrew QuickBooks. So companies that pushed QuickBooks to the limit and like, we can't do this anymore and needed something better. Uh, I would go in and implement a cloud solution. So NetSuite, Intact, if you're familiar. Uh, and then from there, like, you know, I'm consulting to all these CFOs in this position where I'm getting all this expertise very quickly. Uh, and so by the age of 25, I got the job offer to be a CFO of a 130 employee company where I oversaw the accounting, finance, HR, marketing, and IT departments with direct reports. So like, you know, people walking in, they're like, Hey, I want to see the CFO. And it's like, Hey, that's me. Like come to my office. I had this giant office as this young kid. Um, so I, you know, I, I did a lot there. I helped with change management. I had to, uh, unfortunately like fire and hire pe people, learned a lot. And then I left them on good terms and was like, okay, now I can be an entrepreneur. I've, I did the CFO thing. I started a business, an e-commerce uh, drone accessory business with a buddy of mine. And uh, over two years, we built it up. And then at the two-year mark, which is what most businesses need as a minimum to be seen as like uh, actual business to be sellable, I put it up for sale and sold it within 30 days. So as quickly as I could have, I started a business, built it, and sold it uh, from like a conventional like thought process standpoint. And then from there, like I've started another business. I've had a couple other things that going on. Uh, right now, I've got a car dealership that I import classic Japanese cars from Japan. And I've got around 200,000 social followers that I've grown completely behind the scenes, like intentionally behind the scenes there. Uh, do some cryptocurrency mining, you know, general entrepreneur across the board. Uh, but I found that each time I built a business, built a brand, which I was pretty good at, uh, when I sold the business, that brand would go with it. So, you know, I saw this trend, like when I saw this car dealership, I've got 200,000 followers, not one of them knows who I am. I haven't been in anything. And when the business goes, uh, like I start from scratch again on the next business, which is fine, but it, it is extra work to start from scratch every time. So part of the reason why I thought it was valuable to have a personal brand is because I wanted something that would stick with me. Like I wanted people to know that like I had done accomplishments instead of uh, just like having done them and then I could tell people that I did them, but nobody really saw the journey. Uh, so I think there's a lot of value in personal brand from that standpoint. Another reason why I felt like uh, sharing was important is because I started going to Toastmasters and mastermind groups and I started seeing that it mattered to, to share. Like I was helping people very quickly take leaps in mindsets uh, at these mastermind groups and helping them with their situations. So that made me realize like, okay, like my voice matters, but also it matters that I share because I'm making a positive impact. Yep. And so uh, that was another incentive to get started was like, okay, you know, I'm not sharing. There's hidden knowledge inside me. Other people have hidden knowledge. So why don't I just share my journey of sharing and help other people overcome their barriers so that they can spread their hidden knowledge. Uh, it's just a way for me to think about leveraging uh, you know, getting as much out there, hidden knowledge out there as I could, as opposed to just mine. And then uh, the probably the last one that's coming to mind right now would be, um, like I had an opportunity to start a business where it sort of had better odds if it had a face to it. And between me and my business partner, uh, neither of us cared or, or even wanted to 
and if anything, preferred not to be that face. But because I had already been taking a couple steps in this direction, I'm like, all right, whatever, I'll do it. And so like the combination of all those things, being, seeing like it's important sometimes to have a, a face behind a brand, uh, like pushed me to be like, okay, well, I need to get comfortable with this. And just doing Toastmasters mastermind groups wasn't enough. And so then I uh, you know, intentionally started a podcast. Uh, but that's sort of the quick summary of the, the journey up to that point. But there's obviously more there. But Of course. And, and we're going to dive in, my friend. Uh, right. You, you know, you're, you're hitting on like major kind of pillars of the stuff I talk about, right? Like the, the sharing of information being a crucial path to growth for the people around you and how that kind of raises all boats is, some, is something I want to get into. Um, but the first one I want to get into is the idea that you're making it easier on yourself in the future and that realization, right? Like I was just grabbing a beer with my buddy, my buddy Thomas, who is also a CFO, right? Like he's one of these like venture capital CFO types and knows super, super rich people. And I'm just like, listen, man, I, I think I'm just, I'm working on the ultimate cheat code, right? Like the ability to have an audience and to speak directly to whomever you want and have people come looking for you as opposed to always be seeking because you have the bat signal up is to me the most powerful tool set that anybody can work on right now. And I think you're kind of a sucker if you're not working on it, right? Like, yeah, you can make a bunch of money, but it's way harder. How did you, how did that become? When did that become obvious to you? So it was, what, was it in restarting your second business or, or like at, at what point did that become like a crucial like tool that you needed to put in your tool belt that you realized it as a, as a, the way that you describe it, like to make it easier for you in the future? Yeah. Uh, well, I think I saw it very early on just from a business standpoint. Like I, even before I was a CFO, I had several business ideas that like I had a charm business that I got the first page of Google doing old school SEO tactics. I had like a, Halloween mask business where I got into Halloween stores and went to comic cons. Like I've had a lot of different stuff, but each one I got to the first page of Google. I got social followers. So I built a brand around it. Like I never had to get on the phone and call and sell anything. And I don't consider myself anyone who is good at that. Like I'm not a good salesperson, but I'm a good marketer. And so, I, you know, I always tied that marketing to business for that business. And so I think it wasn't until I went to the whole cycle of, you know, having that stripped away from me where I sell a business and it's like, okay, let's start from scratch again. And then getting to a point of, of the next business where I built it up to well over a hundred thousand followers at that point to be like, you know, like I just did enough this again. Right. But I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to start from scratch at some point when I sell this. And so I think it was when I was considering selling my second business that I was like, you know, this is going to be a repeat. This is going to be a pattern. Uh, where I'm going to be building brands and then selling the business with the brand. Uh, and, and so like, I haven't really started sharing up to this point, like my entrepreneurial journey, it's mostly my sharing journey. Um, but you know, like I think that just in general getting started is probably the hardest part. So yeah, you gotta start somewhere. Totally, man. I totally agree. I totally agree. So, so then there is, are, wait, are you telling me right now that right now you still haven't really started sharing your entrepreneurial journey very much or at that point when you were starting that you, you, you had it? Even right now, I was a guest speaking at another meetup uh, and I had a couple of people there from my meetup that were there 
And like, they're like, I never knew you were an entrepreneur or any of that. Like, I don't tell anybody in my community about that. Like my, my brand is right now, like if you look online, it's like, you know, I've got a why influence podcast, why do influencers share? I've got a, a meetup around influencers and like helping other influencers grow their audience. Like, like nothing says like I've you know, built a cryptocurrency farm. I mean, it does, but if you got, you got to read, read deep, you got to read below the lines. Um, and not many people go that far and I'm not flaunting it or, or saying much about it. So it's definitely like a dichotomy there. Yeah, for sure, man. So do you think right now where you are, the value that you have to offer, right? Cause I, I, I hear this and I've, of course, we've talked in depth about, about where you're headed and, and kind of your beliefs. And I don't know how much has changed since March cause we haven't talked much since March. But I know that in your head, you were, you're thinking so many people underestimate the value that they have, right? Like the, all these like middle managers and, and uh, junior VPs of like Deloitte and whatever who have zero online presence could really make their life a lot easier if they were just expressing their thoughts and how they think on LinkedIn. And, 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 and you stand to be kind of like the Pied Piper of that movement. But I also hear that you know, this is the struggle that you're in right now, right? Like you are still, you are, you are still serving up. You are still more comfortable asking people about how they're approaching their influence than you actually putting out the lessons that you have learned over the, the first 10 years of this journey, as opposed to the last two years of this journey. Is that, is that kind of true? Yeah. I mean, there's some overlap with the fact that, you know, the, the building brands uh, yeah. carries over, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's true. Where do you, what do you think is, what do you think is pushing that man? Like, what do you? Um, I mean, I think I'm getting more comfortable over time. Like even now, like I've created a handful of solo, uh, like YouTube tutorials on like, you know, things that I've learned, like, you know, for podcasting, I created a whole how to podcast series and put it on my YouTube channel. Like most people charge to create courses like that. I was just like, whatever, I'll create it, put it out there. Um, similar with like the tools, like StreamYard, uh, Zoom, StreamYard versus Zoom, yeah. uh, like how I use it. Like I'm documenting some of my sharing process uh, to help others. So I'm, I'm getting more comfortable with that and I'm, getting, I'm putting together a strategy now to like go bigger with that. Uh, and, I, you know, my entrepreneurial experience was heavily tied towards marketing as well. So I think that even though maybe the last two years I, I've been battling this sharing journey, um, before that I had been still growing brands. I was still, you know, back, back in the day, I was still getting stuff to the first page of Google. Like I've always had that mindset to like use marketing to an advantage for business. So now it's just sort of, you know, having the conversations with people about that and how they're using it for themselves as opposed to like for businesses. What about, I mean, I don't often talk to a CFO who is a skilled marketer, right? Like how, what, where is, is there, is there some space there to also talk about your, I mean, is it just not a sexy space to talk about like you know, fiscal responsibility and running a business and, 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 and tying that into marketing and how you, I don't know, man, I'm, I'm just, I'm yeah. just live brainstorming right now. But to me, to me, a guy that can market, can do accounting, sounds like the perfect guy to explain LTV and, and how you should approach customer acquisition. Yeah. I mean, I mean, a lot of times CFOs manage the marketing department or, you know, Depends on the size of the business and things like that. Uh, but 
I don't know. I've always been drawn towards it. Like when I did my master's uh, in information system, uh, I took my business electives and the, the capstones for the marketing classes. And I just remember, you know, I had a, a knack for it and I also was so interested in it. So I think that I was always driven to be a CFO of a company, but I always knew that like, well, to get there, one, you have to market yourself, right? Like I can't get to uh, being a CFO of a company at 25 if I didn't know how to market myself to get to that point or, you know, to learn that market myself to get the skills that I needed to get to that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think applying it to yourself from that standpoint, and then even like all the little business ventures I did, it's like, well, if I want to be an entrepreneur, like, you know, how are you going to market? And I've been marketing stuff since I was a young age, like back in middle school using Yahoo auctions and eBay auctions, uh, you know, and then, you know, as, as Craigslist came out then using Craigslist, but I never went big with stuff, but I always understood how that world worked. And I think that was tied to the entrepreneur desire that inside me essentially. That's cool, man. So how did you, how did you land that job at 25? How did, were you, were you like creatively positioning yourself in some way as a, as a 25 year old CFO or what, what was the, what was the key that got you that job? Um, so like, you know, at that time I had implemented a good handful of cloud accounting softwares. So like, you know, I'm consulting, telling CFOs of companies, oftentimes pretty large companies, like how to set up their accounting, how to streamline it. Like one of our clients, uh, they, they were a $40 million company a, a year in sales and they had seven people in their accounting department. But after implementing our software uh, and, and doing our project, uh, you know, I cut them down to one person in their accounting department doing a better job. So, you know, I understood the accounting world and I got it pretty quickly. And I think that that came through. And then I had a friend who I knew uh, from high school and college who was working at, a, at this company and they, he knew that they weren't happy with the, the CFO they had. So I went and talked to him and they were like, okay, well, you know, we're not happy with the guy we have. Like we're trying to fix some internal politics. So maybe what we can do is we can let that guy go, try to change internal politics and bring in, you know, this young kid and, and hope and give him like a trial period to see how it works out kind of thing. And so that's how I got in there. And you know, at the time they, didn't fix a lot of those uh, issues. So then I was there to like sort of lead the front on that as like an independent person that had like no opinion or side, you know, coming in. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it was partially network because it was a friend that helped me, but I was definitely on a path that if he wasn't there, I probably would have, you know, had opportunity to come up otherwise just because of the situation I was in. Awesome, man. Um, you keep, you keep, you've said the word, the term go bigger a couple of times. And I think that that's kind of thematic for you these days, right? Like you, you continue to, to push the boundary. What is, what does that mean to you right now? Like what is, what is going bigger for you right now? When, when you say it, like what, what, what are you, what are you referring to in the way that you're, that you're applying it? Yeah. I mean, so like I'm still doing my entrepreneur stuff, but it's mostly behind the scenes and I am, you know, going bigger with that stuff, but it's not necessarily what's shared because my brand is tied around this other stuff. Uh, so where I've been pushing and where my passion is uh, lately is uh, just going bigger with the community, with the sharing, to helping other people overcome their barriers, helping people go bigger with what they're doing. Like I've done over 60 interviews now on my podcast. And I've had a handful of people with over a million YouTube subscribers. I've had over a million Instagrammers, uh, Facebook influencers like some very large guests. And a lot of times I've like 
been able to help them or give them advice or give them ideas that they could then go and implement to go even bigger with what they're doing. So I found that I'm able to help the big people, help the whales, as well as, you know, the people that are aspiring or early in their phases can either listen and learn through the, you know, the podcast episodes or YouTube channel or join the community now because uh, community is like a newer addition. So for me, it's just to keep going bigger with helping people to go bigger, I guess. Yeah. So uh, it's, and it's more tied to the, the community. Like the community is going to be, I think, the way that you can like drive movements and stuff. So I'm definitely pushing that the most. Totally, man. What is, what is an advice for somebody that has like a million subscribers and you're giving them advice to go bigger? Can you give me, you don't have to name names, but what kind of, what, what does that even look like? What is that? Is it like a technical advice of like how to get better rankings or something? Or is it a, or is it a mental thing? What are you finding out there? It's probably a mix. I mean, at the moment for specifically million plus, I've only interviewed like five, four or five YouTubers with over a million, but uh, like someone that comes to mind is like this guy that had uh, like 25,000 YouTube subscribers, mm -hmm. uh, but they're very dedicated YouTube subscribers. Like every video this guy posted, he would get 10, 15,000 views on those videos. He's a gamer. So it was like an hour long, like a game uh, video. And he'd posted like once every week or two. Um, so, you know, we had the conversation and I was talking about community. I was like, you know, have you focused on community at all? Or have you considered doing any live streaming? And so like, you know, after our conversation, he had never really thought about doing live streams or he's had a couple people make comments in his comments about community, but he's never really taken action. And then like shortly after I saw that he did his first live stream, he had like almost 4,000 people that tuned in like to a live stream your first time with a YouTuber that has 25,000 subs. It's crazy. Uh, so I think that that opened a lot of doors for him moving forward. Uh, so th that's just like one example. Another one was like a guy who uh, does bow and arrow reviews and how to use like, cro uh, you know, crossbows and, uh, or compound bows, sorry. And, you know, he gets a lot of free stuff and, and he would always try to do giveaways, but, and he, he didn't really make a lot of money from it, but he's been doing it for a while. He's giving a lot. Um, so then at the end of it, he, our conversation, he started a Patreon and he's been doing his contests on Patreon now, and like it's helping him get more income uh, do, doing what he needs to do. So just it's different for each person, but oftentimes, like you know, I'm able to try to help or give you know drill into them enough or deep dive into their why that maybe they haven't thought about in a while. Like a lot of the bigger guys, you know, they've been doing it for a while, so they haven't thought about their why as much. So we deep dive there. So. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, man. That makes a lot of sense. That once you get to once you get to a certain size, you start building some inertia and you're just kind of like, you're on this log rolling competition and you don't, you don't stop around and look around the lake, you know? Yeah. Um, so, so spending some time looking into a why, especially for, you know, these people you're describing are the quintessential solopreneurs, right? Like they're just kind of like the, the everything in their company. So they're always just moving and taking a pause to really examine it. And, and your interview style in particular, that goes really, really deep, I'm sure must be really valuable just thinking like on a core values level for a company, right? Like as a, as a person, it's probably a, a service all unto itself. It's pretty yeah. interesting. Thanks. That's cool, man. So, well, I mean, can I ask you real quick? So I've, you know, like, you know me, right? Like I've, I've been building a, a, a bit of an audience. I've had some really good success going live on Facebook a bunch. Like that to me is, that to me is working really, really well. Um, when you're going to do a live stream, 
is is the key to to advertise it and have people there ready to go is it like can you give me some advice on on live streaming and what you mean by that yeah and i actually live stream my podcast i don't necessarily think i do the best job with it so i might not give advice based on what i'm doing but um i, I think that what i've seen work is uh, one is consistency on time for the live stream hmm. uh, so like if you just randomly go live it's a little bit harder to capture people than if you they know okay let me set aside time at this time and i like tuning into this thing uh, so i think time consistently is important um sharing that you're doing it so not only doing the live but also saying like hey this is how the live went you know and just mm. making it more aware to the community that like this is happening this is the kind of results that you're seeing like share your progress like hey today we got you know five people that's awesome or you know oh, we're up to 15 like i can remember when we had like one or two like you know, there's a lot of shares that you can do to build awareness around it, which is going to build momentum over time. So you also don't know who's going to be seeing those posts. Yep. Um, yeah. And just, just, you know, like you, like you're doing it, just do it, keep doing it. Like that's the main thing. It's like, you got to do it first. Yeah, yeah. So get started and then uh, just sort of tweak it and experiment. Experimenting is going to be a big part of it. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense, man. And I think of like, I'm like you, right? For myself, I'm not as as proficient at it as as I am for other people. So for like my clients, like we're going live and we're building up this community and it's going great and it is everything you're saying. It's it's being consistent, it's sharing afterwards, it's redistributing the content from it so that people can can be like, "Oh man, that was a good golden nugget. Maybe I should tune into the next one," right? Like whether it's yeah. you writing about it or 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 sharing it itself. All right, now I want to go back to the main the main pillar of the thing that you talked about, which is the hidden knowledge inside of everybody. And I know that you're a, I, you know, I'm, I'm obsessed with that on a one-to-one networking level, as you know, um, I think you're, you're pretty high up there with me in, in that obsession as well. Um, your, your kind of like angle that you take from it is these like positive externalities that come, that come from sharing. Can you, can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, I think that everybody has something uh, that you know better than most people around you. Yeah. And uh, like if, if you're a very deep knowledge into a certain topic, uh, you might share something on that topic that's a very low level share. Like it's very easy, it's common sense to you. It means like almost meaningless. But to someone else who's not in your world, hearing that, it can make the biggest difference to them. Cause they'd be like, oh, I never thought that way or I would have never came up with that conclusion because they're just another person and they're going to be having their own hidden knowledge. Right. So, uh, you know, the way that I, I had a guest actually that brought this to me, his name is Devon Brown. Um, he said that, yeah, you know, Devon. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a positive externality of Devon myself. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So he he said that if you find, uh, find something that resonates with people, it makes a big difference. Like it, it touches people in a positive way and it's something that you can share and it's easy for you to do. Then, you're essentially ripping the world off by not going as big as possible, like sharing as big as possible, because there's people out there who need to hear your message, like they need to hear what you have to say. And if you don't say it big enough, then they're not going to hear it. Like if you're not going bigger, you know, it's not going to reach that extra person that it could have reached. Yeah. So I think that that's something to, to think about as far as making it feel a little bit more like an obligation and to help you overcome some of those barriers. Cause it's like, wow, I, I need to do this. Like I need to help more people kind of thing. Totally, man. So I hear what you're saying and I think to myself, okay, so then the reason why content works so 
making content around what you're sharing work so well for that is because that is going bigger, right? Like instead of, instead of just telling your friend, Hey man, like I just, I just figured this out, you know, um, you're kind of just putting it out there at scale in uh in whatever way that you're choosing to do it right like whether it is a podcast or whether it's a facebook live or or yeah. or whether it is a tweet it just it, it just has the ability to reach more people when you're not physically saying it right like what if what yeah. if your can can you give me some examples of how like your message and your externalities of that have have, have affected people to just kind of contextualize that for people yeah uh so before i started my sharing journey, I never really shared online. Like I had a couple Facebook posts, like maybe one every year or two. Uh, but that was pretty much it. Like I had a LinkedIn I, I used for business and like networking to, to sort of climb the ladder entrepreneurially. Uh, but I never had one post on it. I never posted. I just had it as like a resume. Um, so like, you know, the only time I even I moved out of state from where I, I grew up. So and I didn't really keep in contact with people very well. I wasn't very good with following up on texts, with calling friends or family. Like, unless you caught me in person one-on-one, -on -one, you're most likely not hearing my thoughts or what I, what I was doing. So that, that's where I was starting. And, and what I found now, like, you know, even posting, I've done a lot on LinkedIn uh, and posting on there. Like a lot of times there may be somebody who's never hit the like button, never commented, but after you know, months of you sharing about a certain thing, you might get, I've gotten like private messages saying, Hey, I've been seeing what you're doing. Great job. I just want to say, keep it up. So it's like, it's impacting people. You don't know it's impacting, which is pretty cool. I've had uh, a couple of friends who I haven't talked to since high school connect with me. They're like, Hey, you know, like, how are you doing? Like I came up in their feed. Like I'm, you know, somebody that now like they want to reach out to and just say, hi and just catch up. Whereas like, if I had never shared, like, you know, there's no way that that touch point would have been there. So I've made an, re reconnected with a couple old friends as a result of sharing. Yeah. Um, and it, I mean, the, I haven't had like a ton of like huge moments. Like I did do a, a speaking event uh, where I spoke on stage and I was very nervous to do it, but I, I, st I still did it of course. And uh, someone came to me like two days later, it was at a conference and she's like, Hey, I saw you speak the other day. And I just wanted to say that after seeing you speak, that, uh, you inspired me to challenge myself to overcome my barriers to speak next year. Uh, so, and she was like, I'm extremely nervous. Like, I don't want to make this commitment, but I'm making it. And it's like, wow. Like, you know, I wouldn't have known that that happened if I didn't run into her two days later at the conference. Mm -hmm. But like the fact that that happened as a result of me sharing, it's just like, okay, I know that what I'm doing is making a difference. It's impacting people. It's making a positive impact. And it's just like more positive reassurance that you're doing the right thing kind of thing. For sure. For sure. And then, and then as far as like direct ROI, I would imagine that all the people that you've now spoken to that have all these audiences has really leveled up your network. Is there, is that, do you, do you sense that happening? Yeah. Um, so like, I haven't had any monetization strategies for what I'm doing with this whole influencer thing, the podcast, the community. And it hasn't been my, you know, I've been driven more for self-development and, and, and building a network. So, you know, I haven't made a dollar from it. You know, I'm not making money from it, but I'm an entrepreneur. I've got other means of income. Uh, but the network has definitely increased. And I think that you know, my, my purpose is probably very different than most people's, but like a lot of people that I meet, it's like, Hey, I'm starting a podcast. I'm trying to make money. 
I'm trying to help my business and market it better. And uh, like a podcast specifically is very good for that if you want to talk to your, your potential clients. Um, like for me, like an influencer is not necessarily a potential client, but someone I want in my network and I want to learn from them. Uh, but like if you, I don't know, had a, a business that coached CEOs, you know, you could be reaching out to CEOs and just talking to them about something. And it's much easier to say, hey, do you want to come on my podcast and share about this? And oh, by the way, I offer this service. Uh, so it can be a very good tactic for a business. I just haven't used it that way. So, yeah. Do you have a sense for like how big your audience is these days? Like about how many people you're talking to on a weekly basis or monthly basis or anything like that? Um, so it's, it's not like anywhere near the people that I talk to, which is fine. Yeah. Uh, I think like right now I'm getting around like a hundred ish, 150 on the back end of the podcast. So like if I, if I do a podcast episode and interview and someone listens to it as an audio only mm-hmm. means of consumption, I get mm-hmm. like a hundred, 150 people uh, on YouTube. I get another like a hundred ish, 150 people. And so that's the video version of it. Um, and then I send out a newsletter. I post on LinkedIn. Um, so like, and it's, it's hard to really track it because like I even have a friend who I, like I, I ran into recently and she was like, oh yeah, I've been getting your newsletters. Uh, I, I love reading them because I put the summary in there, but she's never clicked through the newsletter. She's never listened to one podcast episode. Her means of consumption of what I'm doing is the newsletter. Uh, yeah. So like I can't track that person by looking at the, you know, the analytics in other places. It's only the analytics there. So you sort of have to look everywhere to see what's going on and get like a feel that, you know, it's, it's hard to say the, the exact number, um, yeah. but it's, it's probably in the, you know, couple hundreds to maybe like a thousand or 2000 per month kind of people. Reach. Yeah. The, the, the picture you're painting sounds like you're clearing a thousand people per month, right? Like if it's like a hundred yeah. people on the podcast per week, a hundred people per YouTube, who knows with the email plus yeah. what you're posting, that's still incredible, man. Like I just, I, I, I wanted you to go through that mental exercise. Cause it's like from a guy that, you know, had a problem sharing to like, to think that you have a thousand people that are within earshot of you a month, I think is, I think is pretty freaking impressive, man. So I, I wanted Thanks. you to, yeah, I think it's really, really cool, man. Yeah. And um, I, I guess on top of the podcast, I've been creating some solo content. So like, I've got a couple of YouTube videos now that have gotten several thousand views each. So it's like, you know, each of those is a whole new audience because those are reached through like organic search and YouTube as yeah. opposed to people that are following me in certain places. So, but yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy cool, to think about. It's- yeah, man. And it's all in service, right? Like I see your podcast. I see my podcast. Like I've never thought about like, how am I making money on this podcast as much as I want to tell people stories and like, and teach people how you learn from others and, and, and whatever, right? Like I, you know me, right? I like to be the stage as opposed to the star of the stage. Um, but it all ends up working out, right? Like if you serve enough people, you're, 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 you will be served. Right? Like it's not a right. no big deal. All right. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about how we, I always like to ask people how we met and kind of like what, um, what drew you to wanting to have a, a longer term relationship with me than that one moment as a, as a way for our friend who we're in their ear right now to, <laughs> to kind of like figure out different ways to meet people and, and be liked. Yeah. Uh, so how we met was, uh, was at a pod, I think it's Podfest or podcast, podcast movement. movement. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah it's no, podcast no, movement as yeah. a podcast uh, conference. And before the conference, uh, you could, they had an app. So I went in there and I was 
just like spamming the app. So like that a leaderboard, and I think I was number one or some or in the top of the leaderboard. Uh, just you know, putting stuff in there. I forget. I don't even remember what I was doing in there. Uh, but then we got to the, the conference center and I saw uh, someone hosted a meetup to be like, hey, let's meet some people like early on. And that was you who hosted that. Uh, so I was like, okay. And I, I went there and you know, when I'm by myself, I have a lot of energy. And like I just was in a city by myself. I came just for the podcast conference. I had nowhere else to be. Uh, so then I was like went there, met you, met a couple of people around there. And, you know, I think we hit it off right away. Uh, but we were both you know, pretty heavy marketers. I mean, networkers. Like, you know, I'm good one-on-one. I'm not good with, like, large groups. And so, like, you know, the fact that we could just have a one-on-one or a small group conversation and, and meet, uh, I think we then saw each other several times over the course of the weekend. Um, but, yeah, we, I think just you could tell that you're an awesome guy. You're, you're authentic. I'm drawn towards authentic and vulnerable people which is sort of why that picked the topic on my podcast too. Uh, so, so yeah. And then after that, we just kept seeing each other, kept in touch and gone from there. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I get, I get authenticity and vulnerability almost inevitably every time. Like it's always like you were doing something that was like drawing attention. So I went to it and then I realized you're like an authentic guy. <laughs> like <laughs> It's kind of like, now that you're saying it, it's kind of like the, the formula I keep hearing over and over again. I remember for you, you have this like very, um, you feel very present, man, for whatever reason, the way that, the way you carry your eyes and you look at people, you, you feel very present. And I remember talking to him and be like, man, this guy just makes me feel like I'm, he's not paying attention to anybody else. Like, um, um, he's talking to me and he's here very genuine. And I, I found that very, uh, very comforting to say the least, if not attractive to not be weird. <laughs> I appreciate that. That's nice. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, for sure, man. For sure. All right, bro. You ready for the, uh, you ready for the lightning round? Pow, 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 pow. Let's do it. <laughs> what is your favorite restaurant? Where is it? And what is your order there? Uh, good question. I would say it's sushi. And I can't remember the name of it, but I've been to Japan in the fish market. And there was a place there that I got one of those sampler rolls. I was like, I'm only in Japan once right now, at least. And like a splurge. So I bought like the most expensive thing as a big sampler plate. And I was like, had the biggest smile on my face. My wife at the time girlfriend was there. So I've got a picture of it, but I just love sushi. And I was like as fresh and as good as sushi could get. So it's pretty Dude, awesome. I'm dying to go to Japan. Was it like an omakase place or like, is that what that's called? Or I was in Tokyo and they had the giant fish market there. And then it was like one of the, you know, the most authentic kind of like sushi restaurants. In there. Oh, badass. That sounds awesome. All right. What, uh, what content are you most into right now? Like this could be a, uh, a podcast or a book or a Netflix and chill series, but like, what, what, what are you most consuming right now? Um, yeah, I'm probably similar, uh, to you in some things, but I, I'm mostly consuming the people around me. So like the, doing the podcast interviews and then the communities. Uh, so like the influencer community that I do. So I'm just like consuming the community, like what other people are learning, like what, they're doing uh so i'm just very immersed in that world the whole influencer space so just uh that's probably where it's at so it's sort of you know in my in my realm in my reach kind of stuff but yeah that's that's what is in my world right now so i'm not really watching netflix shows or anything yeah funny how that works man once you start networking with like people that are putting out content you start you know like you 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 now are instead of like watching people that you don't know, you're like watching people that you, that you know, right? Like, and, and yeah. you're like learning from them. I think that's and it's a lot of work to try to consume 
the content because everyone like now everyone I meet it's like I've got a podcast I got a YouTube channel I got this I got that it's yeah. like you know I'll check it and I'll I'm very fast at like looking at channels and researching people now because uh, mm -hmm. of that but you know I don't have the energy to like consume like every episode and everything that comes out so uh, yeah. it's mostly consuming the community and the people I talk to yeah man I will self-admittedly say that I wish that I listened to yours and Jason's podcast more, right? Like both our podcasts, every time I turn around, I'm like, this is great, right? Like there's just <laughs> so much stuff happening that there's only a certain amount of like bandwidth that you can, yeah. is, is there anybody, give a shout out, right? Like, is there anybody in your community, in their podcast or their channel that you were like really digging on these days? Like, is there anybody that's really impressing you with what they're doing with content? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people, I mean, I just, uh, there's someone who recently spoke at my meetup and then now, uh, today actually early today we did a podcast interview i live streamed it uh but his name's sean kelly he's got a youtube channel called kelly concepts he's got he's approaching four thousand or five thousand youtube subscribers but uh like he's done that in about a year and a half and he just started a new youtube channel uh and that that one's based on like maker stuff mm -hmm. and then he started a new youtube channel on uh, real estate and he's already up to 500 subscribers and he had just started a couple months ago uh, so he's killing it from like a small startup and, you know, get started standpoint. And he's done some real interesting stuff. Like uh, just to share one tip. Yeah, please. Be that uh, like he would go on YouTube and he would uh, do a search for his niche. So let's say a uh, uh, maker is his, his niche, but even a maker is more niches. So let's go even deeper down to like uh, woodworking. So you could type woodworking onto YouTube and then filter by the most current videos that were uploaded uh and the most you know the most channels have less than like 100 subscribers like there's a lot of young small channels and if you're a small channel you're getting notified when anyone subscribes you're going to be reading every comment you're going to be seeing everything so you could go in there and you know go find a small channel watch a video and post a comment subscribe and say hey you know love the content uh, you got a new subscriber, hit subscribe. The person's going to look you up and be like, hey, who is this person? And might subscribe back to you. Uh, pretty good ratio to come back. Uh, so it's a good you know, groundwork sort of technique uh, to like just get so some people into your network. Um, yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of impressive things like that that you pick up like just learning from other people. Yeah, that's like the the Gary V dollar eighty strategy. That it just works, man. Right? You support people to support you back. All right. <laughs> it's 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 just the new way of networking, right? Like I I get it. That's cool. Um, what is something that you were sure about in your twenties that you no longer believe? Um, something that's been coming up a lot lately is I feel like a lot of people's motivations are for money, and. Uh, when I've reflected a lot back, like even though I wanted to be an entrepreneur, I was never really driven by money. It's just by the, the lifestyle that came with it and just the creativity that comes with being an entrepreneur. Um, and even like all the stuff I'm doing in my podcast and community, like I, I'm not making anything from it. Like I, everything I look at for myself, it's like, I'm not really doing it for money. I'm trying to make an impact, but I need to exist. I need to make enough to live. Uh, so that's sort of been my mindset. But like the more people I meet, like, especially like, even an in influencer space, like uh, I chose that over entrepreneurship because I, I mean, I have an entrepreneur background, but I felt like influencers are generally sharing and making money, doing something that they care more about, whereas entrepreneurs generally care more about making money. Um, so that was one decision, a uh, reason why I went the influencer route. 
Uh, but then like I meet like thought leaders, right? And it's like, you know, I talk to some of them and it's like, uh, you know, they're just trying to, they only make a partnership with someone if they can make money out of it. Or, you know, the, I'm just seeing more and more that people's making decisions based on money. And it's tied to sort of the culture that is necessary to exist in this world. And then if I look at it from a higher standpoint, because I've traveled a lot, like com- countries like Indonesia, who like they're very laid back island kind of culture, but there's a, a, like hundreds of millions of people there. And then you got a country like China that comes in and sort of owns everything from like a you know, money standpoint, uh, it's sort of changing the culture there. And there's nothing to say that that island culture is, is wrong, but it's sort of being taken over because money is what matters. And so I just sort of see that trend like from a small level all the way to a big level. And I don't know if I necessarily agree with it, but I'm a very big futurist and I believe that one day money won't matter, but it's going to be like 500 to a thousand years from now when it gets to that point. Um, so like, you know, just accepting that the world is the way it is and uh, knowing that it will change eventually. But uh, like I, I like that I'm not driven by money. I guess is the summary there. Like yeah. just after reflecting more on that. Yeah, man, and and I think that's something that ties us also, right? Like I'm I've never really been very driven by money. I th- I think for me it just comes from the fact that I came from a very you know like abundant background, right? Like I I feel like trying to I think a lot of people are a lot of men are just kind of like in a competition with their dad. And to me, I felt like if I'm going to compete with my dad, I'm never really going to compete with him financially. Right. <laughs> so, so I had to figure out something else, man. And that, and I've had to make that realization, right. Like that acceptance that's like, I think once you cover the basic necessities, money doesn't drive me anymore after that. Right. Like it's like impact. It's like the people that I can have around me or, or whatever, man. So I like that. That's cool. Yeah. Thanks. Um, what is your you know, I kind of want to open space here, right? Like, I, like I'm going to go off script. What, I remember you and I had a really interesting conversation about you went to some really remote areas and you started realizing that culture is getting destroyed in like a quarter of a generation, cu- cultures that had been, um, you know, built over thousands of years. And I think that yeah. that's an interesting thing to put out there, man. So I was going to ask you your favorite piece of advice that you give or like to give, but I would like for you to to kind of reflect on that on that realization as a as something yeah. that people need to think about. Yeah, sure. Thanks for asking that. Um, yeah, I haven't really put that out. Like, I actually created a podcast recording of it and then never posted it. I don't know why, but I think it's just different than my normal shares and just it disappeared over time. Mm-hmm. That uh, happens so a lot. I appreciate right? you for <laughs> asking it. Like, at least yeah, I can no get it out. Not. No worries, dude. I have, listen, uh, I, I've got tons of content I haven't put out yet that I'm like, that just needs to go out. And if somebody doesn't share it, I'm not going to share it. But go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so like, I mean, I, I travel a lot. My wife travels a lot. So together we travel a lot. Um, so we, for our honeymoon, uh, we went to, we took a mo- over a month off and we went to India and uh, Botswana, which is in Southern Africa, which uh, apparently uh, in Botswana is a place called Okavanga Delta. And that's where they just recently found a person that's older than where we thought the oldest person was found like millions of years old. And then people in South Africa are, are fighting the, the, the fact that that's real to, to try to hold the rights to the facts that to say, okay, Southern Africa has the oldest person. So these are some very old cultures uh, in India. Like we visited a house where like the, the walls and the were made out of sticks and uh, grass and cow manure. And that's like how the house was built. The whole floor in the house was made out of cow manure. Um, 
So like we're in those like really remote areas where we got to drive like two or three hours just from like a small village just to get to. Uh, so it's like seeing like, you know, just the oldest, oldest cultures in these places. And in this guy's house, there was a, a charging cable in his kitchen. They didn't have lights, no lights, no nothing. They had a charging cable in his kitchen going down to his cell phone. And if you think about it, it's like now this guy has access to the internet and how quickly is that culture going to change? Uh, you know, someone who has had nothing changed for thousands and thousands of years, maybe even millions of years, uh, very minimal change. So now like having this internet in his hands uh, and then his, you know, when he has kids, like, well, now that kid is going to have more access. So in a matter of one or two generations, um, you know, we saw a trend that like culture is sort of, you know, getting erased in, in a way. Um, we were in a, a, a market and there were two kids, like I was waiting on some people. So I was just by myself. There were these two kids on their cell phones, like working at a little booth. And I was like wondering what they were doing. So I like leaned over and looked. They were both playing Call of Duty on, on mobile on their phones together online. And it's like, you know, I didn't even have Call of Duty until I was, I don't know, in middle school or something or high school, whatever. Uh, but like, these kids have it on their cell phones and they're playing online together. Like, you know, these people, like they're not going to relate to their parents' generation and they're going to be changing so fast. And a similar thing in Botswana, like Botswana is one of the oldest cultures, if not potentially the oldest culture in the world. And a similar thing, like we see like how much of an impact technology is making on these things. So our conclusion was we, we said that like culture is sort of an endangered species and, uh, you know, it's sort of sad it's happening. It's just sort of an inevitable thing that's going to happen. Um, so I think that a big part of the why influence, the thing that I'm doing, um, it, fe it feels pretty impactful too, is just to document things and to share. And if these cultures shared more, like if, if what I'm doing is helping them document more about what they're doing or share more what they're doing, then that's documenting that culture and less will be erased as a, as a result. So like it just sort of reinforced what I was doing when I saw that, I think. Cool, man. Yeah, I couldn't, like, of course, I wanted you to share it because I couldn't agree with you more, right? Like, I I love content as a living document of what we're doing. And I, I'm living through this really weird phase right now where my family has always been really, really close, right? And we've lived in multiple continents my whole life. And now we're all connected on WhatsApp. And because the generation older than us is more susceptible to the hoodwinking that happens on the internet our 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 arguments are getting more and more heated right like like they are they are so convinced of some stuff that because they're receiving these weird like targeted mails from whatever political affiliation you want to you you want to insert here right i don't want to make this a political thing but these ideologies that are very easily targetable to you know, my parents' generation, which grew up in the first world, but they're still a generation older. I can only imagine the, this kid whose parents are, who's playing Call of Duty and his parent who grew up in a third world now getting targeted with this stuff and the kid getting targeted with other competed things and how much a divide that that's going to drive intergenerationally um, between him and his parents. And I, I think it's so important that if we look at the internet as this like huge amalgamation of culture that everybody puts their thumbprint on it, man. Like everybody needs to be making this content and they need to be sharing this stuff or else the only people sharing it are the, are, are the people that want to serve their needs. 
So right. I wanted to highlight that, man. I'm glad you, I'm glad you articulated it like that. Thanks. Yeah. So before we go, you know, like I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to link here to your, your podcast, right? Whyinfluence.com, your influencer meetup, weeklyinfluencermeetup.com, your YouTube channel, your LinkedIn, your Instagram, anything, anything in particular that you want to send people towards to connect with you or that you want to, that you want to highlight that you really want to promote right now before I ask my last question. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I appreciate you linking all that. Uh, you know, I shared, um, I try to share differently on each platform and I, think I do a pretty good job at that. So sure. feel free to follow what works for you. It's all at Y influence, W H Y influence. Um, but if you're trying to grow your influence uh, and you're trying to overcome your, bar- your barriers, or if you are sharing and you want to share bigger or learn from others or surround yourself by other influencers, inspiring influencers, I definitely invite you to you know, join my meetup or come to my meetup. It's a very open community. Uh, it's all about helping each other. And all right. Uh, it's, uh, so um, there's going to be a link in the description for that. Um, right now, it's called a weekly uh, influencermeetup.com, but I'm sure the name will change. It's already changed a couple of times. It'll probably change again, so don't quote me there. Uh, but the link will definitely always be on the Why Influence website. So just go to whyinfluence.com. Uh, there'll be a community button. And uh, just you know, feel free to, to attend a meeting if you want or uh, join the community. And then you know, if I, I interview influencers all the time, like every week. And now I'm creating some solo content. So if you want to check out uh, some of that, there's some great pieces of advice that's already out there right now. So yeah, yeah. and feel free to reach out if there's you know if there's a certain thing that you care about and you want to know what where to start, you can message me or you know, whatever. Love it, dude. And I'm I'm gonna do a better job of showing up to your to your meetup more regularly, man. Like every time <laughs> I've gone, I've gotten like a lot of right. Like I remember the first one I went to was about Twitch, and I was like, eh, I don't know if Twitch is gonna work. And now I hear. I just recently, you know, now I'm like super into this like idea of like where the gaming industry is headed and Twitch has this like way to broadcast everything you're doing. And I'm like, shit, I should have, I should have just stuck with that meetup and, 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 and kept <laughs> learning more. Right. So anyways, so I think you're sharing really valuable things from there, man, is, is, is what I'm trying to get at. So Thanks. I, I, I want to recommend any, our friend that's listening to, to show up. And last but not least, you kind of, you kind of hit on this already, man, but I always ask people at the end is, is where do you find community? Where do I find community? Yeah. Uh, I sort of struggled to find it. That's why I, I sort of been focusing on creating it because I, I, I always found that I was gravitating towards people that are authentic and vulnerable, which is one reason why we met. Uh, but I, I struggled to find it on a day-to-day basis. So I started with trying to do physical meetups and that failed due to obvious reasons. So now it's all digital. Uh, but yeah, I mean, community is... I've, I've been mostly just immersed in, in my community and, you know, growing that, uh, but it's, it's just as much everyone else's than it is mine. Um, but I love interacting with other communities. I get a lot of, uh, I love the energy. So if I find other ones, um, happy to share or happy to join. Uh, but most of my community that I find is through the, the weekly meetups that I do, especially with, if you start with podcasting, uh, the only time you hear from people generally is through an occasion, once a potential once uh, iTunes review or Apple iTunes review, but you can't leave a comment on the episode. Um, it's very quiet. Yeah. Like you have a lot of people listening, but not hear anything. So if you've been listening to Pablo for a while, uh, I want you to go to his website or go to LinkedIn and shoot him a message and just say thank you and tell him something that you learned from him. Cause I know that's something that, a lot of people struggle with is just hearing from the communities, especially with podcasting. That's like yeah. emphasized. 
So, uh, you know, if you've been listening to at least two episodes of podcasts uh, that Pablo's put out by now, just send him a message and just say, say thank you or send him something. I love it, dude. I appreciate that, man. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Podcast is a very, it's uh it's very rewarding because of the conversations you can have on it, but it's also very lonely and that it has the most friction to communication, right? Which is why I repurpose yeah. all my stuff and put it on LinkedIn and Instagram and whatever, because then people can like leave comments because I really, and I've had like friends of mine reach out with like a text screenshot or something like that. And that's cool. I've, I have yet to get a random email from somebody listening to my podcast who I don't know that's like heard your podcast and this and that, right? Like, so. All right, you, you hear that and that's someone he's going to remember forever. So if you're listening now and, you know, send that email to the Pablo because if you're the first, like he's going to always know you're the first to send that email to the podcast. There you go. You never forget your first time. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, man, uh, Jeremy, thanks, man. Thanks for, thanks for doing this, dude. I, I, you know, I feel like I've flattered you a little bit throughout this interview, man, but I really do want to acknowledge you for the way you come across, man. Like you really, you, you really do come like, like right now you're looking at me, I'm like lost in your eyes, right? Like you have this like <laughs> total like presence of a, of a very genuine person that is very nourishing to be around. And your story from the moment I met you being that that was like your first public speaking thing outside of that mastermind to seeing who you are now and meeting Crystal and, 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 and like, hearing her talk how like i don't know man i i don't know if i'm allowed to share this right but like she she said something yeah, you can go in, ahead. in north carolina he's, just, he's talking about my wife yeah 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 she said he, she said something in north carolina that was like you know i find myself more attracted to him for like on a one-to-one -one level for every time that he is like putting himself out there and overcoming this barrier and all that stuff right and, and it's just it's so it's so cool to see how you pushing through your own barriers um, leads to you improving your life on a one-to-one -one level like that. It's very tangible. It's super inspiring. It's very like approachable, man. So I'm just really happy to have you in my life, man. So I just want to thank you. Well, thanks, Pablo. That's really nice. I really appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed that conversation right there as much as I did. Listen, Connect with Pablo is a content marketing community creation agency. The bottom line is that if you can start creating content that can give value to your customers or audience while creating strategic relationships through it, you can have a content machine that allows you to tell the story of your business through the value you are creating while gathering people together. If you're curious about that or know someone who could be, please shoot me an email at you should at connectwithpablo.com or hit me up on Instagram or LinkedIn through the profiles tagged in the show notes. If you just want a quick pick me up and some tactical advice right before walking into a room full of strangers, go to connectwithpablo.com, watch the five minute video about how to walk into a room and not feel like you're all alone and or download the little cheat sheet on how to do just that. I have a lot of my friends that I've done networking with me for a long time tell me that they love watching that thing and carrying it around when they're walking into a networking event or they're walking into a conference or sometimes even if you're just walking into a wedding and you don't know anybody, right? It has a lot of use for it. I invite you to check it out if you need it. I really hope you stick around, connect with me, and start leaning into finding value in others and feeling like you have value to give yourself. It'll make the world a better place. I promise. Until the next episode, I am Pablo Gonzalez, your Chief Executive Connector. <laughs>